You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 223. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You've reached The Local Maximum. Aaron, how you doing today? Let's get that energy up. I know it's not it's not quite the 1 a.m. discussion that we used to have, but it is quite late. It is what it was it almost 11 p.m. So yeah, it's, you know, it's been there. a long weekend and, and not the three day kind. And but, you look uh, different too. So uh, I don't know. Uh, every time your hair is done differently. Every time I, I every time I see you, keep the audience guessing, huh? It, it's it's part of my ongoing. Uh, disguise and uh and 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 makeup routine all right well you've got to keep me awake during this because i'm exhausted because i went to the gym this morning and did a whole class there and then during the day i was at this riot thing all day and i'm just totally wiped out so riot yeah please, please do say more well it wasn't actually a, a riot you know i'm 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 i i i I tend not to participate in riots, but this is actually the 250th anniversary of the Pine Tree Riot, which was in Ware, New Hampshire. So I got up and I was like, do I'm I sorry, feel- where was it? Ware. That's the name of the town. Uh, I'm sure you've been there. Where? I, I haven't. There. You have. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so the riot was where, and uh, it was a quarter of millennium ago. And uh, they did a little thing about that. That's a funny way of putting it. Yeah. Kind of blows your mind. As far as I can tell, I I really had no idea what this was about. Like the the king of uh, England said, all the pine trees belong to me and sent some guys there to take some pine trees and some where people basically came and beat up the guys taking the trees. That that was my takeaway, but I didn't really wasn't really listening too much. So so this was like, well, I, I guess it would be a little bit different than the New Hampshire version of the Boston Tea Party. Yes, but, but it was three, it was like it was like a year and a half before the New Hampshire. Hang on, I got a I got a T shirt. Let's see what. So if we were professionals, this is where I would vamp, but but I'm unprepared. Well, what, what does it say in the T shirt? Here we go. Uh, what does this say? Where. New Hampshire, where the, the pine home tree. of the pine tree riot? Yes, yes, seventeen seventy-two. A riot I can get behind. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Not, it's like you know I left New York because there were riots, and now now I'm going to riots. What's what's going on here? All right, so um, you best not touch the king's forest. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like there was a a, a rather famous uh, folk hero who uh, who who violated that rule and. Wore a funny hat with a feather in it. Mm, yeah, yeah, probably before the pine tree riot. Uh, that was. Um, all right. So today we're going to discuss Elon Musk's takeover bit of Twitter. I know I discussed that probably what was it two weeks ago or, or three weeks ago or something. And right, you you had your 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 hot take before you'd heard all the media hot takes. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. I don't know if I how 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 well I did, but now we know a little bit more about it, and it'll probably be more exciting if it actually happens and then we'll have to talk about it again, but it's a developing story. And um, uh, to set this up before we talk about his bid to take over Twitter, uh, I I, I, want to talk about a couple things. Uh, First, what's happened to shareholder value over the last year? Uh, Because I want to go back to episode 211, not too long ago, but that's uh, back in February. 
and I was talking about how f- the the huge Facebook stock drop, and I said it's dropped before, um, and sometimes it's dropped over a long period of time, like a year and a half, and but. In many cases, it's come back. Uh, in this case, so far, it has not bounced back. It's actually gotten worse. So um, Meta, Facebook, Meta, no, one, no one's going to call it Meta. Um, their stock has gone down um, quite a bit. Netflix, they've gone down quite a bit. Netflix is a really interesting story in terms of just value, in terms of stock price. Their stock price grew 69x from twenty. 11 or 2012 to 2021. So over a 10 year period, uh, it, it grew by a factor of 69. So that's from, if you put in $10, you'd have $690 at the high, which is incredible. That's like, um, that's like cryptocurrency level returns right there. Um, and now it's gone down to $250. So I, I, I'm not going to do in my head what percentage that is, but it's less than a third, isn't it? So yeah. Uh, and and maybe that's a little different from Facebook or Twitter, but Netflix is often grouped in. But man, they have destroyed a lot of value between those three companies over the last few years. Uh, a lot of shareholder value. So to say that what they're doing and they're doing all this crazy stuff, uh, to say that, well, they might be doing all this crazy stuff, but it's all for the money. It's all for the shareholder value. Well, that doesn't seem to hold up. Well, and, and that opens a whole can of worms of of was any of that value real or was it a bubble and a true and and this is the market correcting to a reality but but I'm I'm not prepared to 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 dig deeper into that one thing I did have well, to look we, we up will while you for were Twitter talking yeah was was you mentioned uh, that that for for Facebook uh, you know now, now known as Meta um, I, I had to check have they changed their ticker symbol and and as far as I can tell it's still FB. Uh, I, I wonder if they will ever change it to something other than that uh, with the, the rebranding of the corporate name mm. as, as Meta Platforms Inc. Right, right. So, yeah, there, there's one way to look at this, which is the, this is just gyrations of the market and it's going up and down and we don't know what it's going to do. Maybe it'll come back up. And then another way to look at it, which, which is kind of how I looked at crypto, another way to look at it is, uh, especially for Twitter, which is like, they just destroyed a ton of value. Uh, and I, I think there's probably a little bit of both going on there. Um, but I, I don't think the board can ignore the fact that, um, you know, they're setting money on fire through their strategy. Uh, but well, if now, you want to think... Are you talking about the strategy that they're taking you know, in the last two weeks? Or are we talking about the strategy over the last several years? Over the last several years. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, there's certainly an argument to be made there for, for a little bit of both that, that there, maybe there was a little bit of a bubble there and, and it was priced way above what it should have been, but also that there was probably a point where it was worth significantly more than that, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's current share price and, and they've done things which have, uh, caused the, the product they're providing to be less valuable, not just in a stock market speculation sense, but in the actual, uh, you know, product being delivered to consumers. Yeah, in terms of like future value of, of, of consumers. And we've talked about this before. They've reached their saturation point. And as a result, they're, uh, you know, they're exploring these kind of, um, I, I hate to say exploitative strategies, but more like short term strategies. Like, how can I make a buck off these customers now? Because they won't lead a, leave us. But once customers start leaving, then it's like, oh crap, there's nothing we can do. So, yeah. So, 
Facebook, Twitter, Netflix. I don't know if Netflix is along the same trend. Some people would say it, it would be, but it, it they, they are grouped in that Fang thing, uh, which I, I right, always which, thought was kind of weird. But which apparently Fang is 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 out of fashion now. That that uh, uh, f- was it. Fang is is the yeah. new acronym. Which which is well, I what's think M? Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and oh Google. Microsoft. Okay. Um, so I thought but, I, yeah. I was thinking Meta, but then there's an F there. So right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I didn't realize until I was looking it up earlier that apparently Fang. I it, they, gotta be Mama G. That was a Jim. That was a Jim Cramerism. Uh, hmm. But. Yeah, it's it, it it's it's a, a reasonable question whether Netflix belongs in that same grouping. Right. Yes, it may have had huge valuations at one point, uh, but but is that enough to uh, to play in that same pool? Yeah. I, I, well, also, is it for the same reasons? Like, it, it's not like Netflix is. I feel like for Twitter and, and Facebook, it's 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 trends in terms of moderation and how people use their products and how sticky it is. Whereas Netflix, okay, yeah, they need to have subscribers, but it's more about how there's lots of competition now. And um, some people would say, oh, they went woke and went broke. But I... Yeah, I, I would kind of think it's it's more maybe it has to do more with like content, just like yeah. Well, they don't, I was th- saying the the other companies that are in, in the in that acronym, so your your Apples, your Amazons, your Googles, yeah. uh, your possibly your Microsofts. Um, some of them are in the content producing business. You know, Apple's got their Apple TV stuff, right? Uh, obviously, Amazon with with uh, Amazon Prime and Amazon Studios, um, but those are are small segments of their business, right. whereas that is. All that Netflix does, the, the the distribution and production of that content. Um, yeah, so, I haven't looked so up uh, Apple. Very different than, yeah. than Apple. I, I haven't looked up Apple and Amazon stock, but they have not suffered, or uh, Amazon's down slightly, but they have not, not really significantly. They have not suffered to the same degree as those other companies have. What about Google? Out of curiosity. Let's pull yeah, that well, up. None, none of them have had what what it sounds yeah, like well, was a pretty disastrous uh, yeah. quarterly call, right? In in recent memory, okay. Like Netflix just did. Yeah. Okay. So let's. This is not a CNBC show, so let's move on. I, I just want to. I think the point back is to, to Musk and Twitter. Yeah. No. 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 I, I think the point is that that you know this is why Twitter. This didn't come out of the blue. This is probably bad management, and also bad management leads to the price going down. If it cost Elon Musk $200 billion to buy Twitter instead of um, uh, $54.2 billion, which is what he's proposing, then even he couldn't afford it. This is a big cost even for him. $54 billion right. is not nothing for Elon uh, Musk. It's not like he's that rich. Um, so uh, first of all, I think it's important to talk about corporate governance. We learn a lot about government governance, which is really governance for the state uh, in school. We don't learn a lot about corporate governance, how corporations are governed, even though those are probably affect your life as much or even more. Um, and you're more likely to be someone who has a uh, control over it or know someone who does or or can like, you know, as, as an employee, at least, you know, most people aren't going to be board members, but, you know, most people are going to be employees and you will be affected by board decisions and um, you you know, you you probably want to know a little bit about how this works, and I feel like they keep it opaque uh, on purpose so that people well, don't ab- know. Absolutely, that. I, I think I was uh, among uh, millions of Americans this this 
like maybe it was two weeks ago, who were uh, frantically Googling, okay, what exactly is a tender offer? Yeah, me How too. How does that work? Yeah. It's, it's something I'd heard of, but I couldn't have explained it to you in any meaningful detail before yes. I went and, and scoured the internet. And, and to, it, it turns out sound intelligent. we know a whole lot more about what a filibuster is than what a tender offer is, even though how uh nah, maybe it's good to know about a filibuster but i feel like that's sort of the the bias of of schools where it's probably in your interest to know both corporate governance and state governance but in the interest of turning people into good citizens they only want to teach state governance uh and corporate governance is is not as important um that's that's sort of i think that's where that comes from a little bit i don't know uh but Anyway, so okay, so how did Musk go about this? So, so when we last talked about this, that was in episode. Uh, I should have pulled up that episode number. Uh, that was in episode number two twenty, so three episodes ago. Um, he submitted to the board uh, an a bid, which is an offer to buy the company for fifty four point two billion dollars. Uh, now, you look this up. The way corporate governance works, there's a board. Uh, that's supposed to represent the shareholders, and they can accept this offer with a majority vote of the board. I don't know how many seats they have, uh, but um, so they they haven't explicitly rejected it yet. But they did say in the meantime they enacted this poison pill thing, which is um, pretty confusing. My understanding is it says okay if in the meantime Elon Musk gets fifteen percent of the company, then he can. Um, then other people, other owners of the company can can buy more at a lower price. That seems very unfair, but I'm not really sure uh, why they're allowed to do that, but apparently they are. Um, so I didn't really look this one up enough, I think. Um, but um, anyway, they haven't necessarily rejected the offer. So that's, that's the first place you go to is the board. They're supposed to represent the shareholders. They could do basically anything they want with a majority vote. Uh, it takes 51% of the board. Um, to to do what they want, but it's within and, the fiduciary. So this doesn't have to go directly to the shareholders. It's it's a no. It, it can be handled uh, by by the board as an intermediary, right? Um, and, and it's my understanding there's that, some things that have yeah. to go to a full vote of the shareholders. Yeah, and, I think and I just looked it up. It looks like there there are eleven members on that board currently. Okay, if I'm and so correctly. okay, okay, so so you, you need six. Um, so. They could do what they want with a majority vote, but they can't vote. They have to have good reasons. They can't um, vote for something that's not in shareholder interest, but it's in their interest. So that's like fiduciary duty. But it seems to me like there's there's going to be some wiggle room there. Like, how could you say, well, I didn't accept it because you could probably always give a reason why it's in the best interest of the shareholders, even if you have uh, other reasons for rejecting the bid, I assume. Right. So, um, so. It, it actually, it, it's interesting that it um, it dawned on me like, hey, why is it fifty percent of the board to sell the company? Uh, why, or, or to make any decision? Like every decision is a fifty percent vote. Is that the only way to? Um, is that the only way to structure it? I don't know. Um, well, my what, understanding is that you can structure your corporate governance such that certain certain votes require su- super majorities of mm. various types. Um, but but most commonly, uh, the the majority rule is 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 how that is handled at the board level. Well, I was thinking if you needed every shareholder's approval to sell it, you'd never be able to sell the company. Right. 
And as a result, what would probably happen is uh, if the company is um, more valuable sold, but there's some weird holdouts among the shareholders, then um, anticipating this beforehand, that would cause the, the, the share price to go down because like poor, a poor constitution. Um, but then what would probably happen was the, the CEO and management would just end up selling the assets anyway and mm. uh, ending up with, so it would be just a very inefficient uh, thing. So maybe 50% is, is efficient. I don't know. But uh, sometimes maybe it's a good idea to have minority rights. I don't know. Um, but in this case, most, most of us, kind of, I kind of want it to be sold, so we want to see. Uh, we want to see what happens. Okay, so uh, also before we go on, here's another thing from from Forbes, which I don't know if this is um, well. It's relevant, but this is only relevant if the takeover doesn't immediately take an effect. The board is actually elected in thirds. Are you sure it's eleven members? Maybe it's twelve, or maybe they they divide it up somehow. But um, Basically, the board is elected every year, but every year only a third is up for re-election. You have three-year terms. So it would take a shareholder, even a controlling shareholder, uh, well, three years to control the board in its entirety, but I guess that's only two years to uh, to make a uh, 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 to get a majority. So um, they're actually cha- – uh, for, for some uh, reason – Assuming you can sweep – at, at each of those elections. Right, right. So there the election is on May 25th and so this whole thing could go down by then, but um they are putting that to a shareholder vote, the shareholders meeting on May 25th on whether they want to change it to the entire board gets elected at once. Uh so I I don't know, that could have a big effect and a shareholder probably has to think about what they're going to vote for. Now, I, I also, I know how some of this works is where, how do you, who, who runs for board? Is there going to be an election like the elections we're used to in our government? And really the new board members are nominated by the current board by a nominating committee. Uh, committee. So is there ever really any contention? Probably not too often. Uh, well, and- it, it depends on, on how your, your corporate governance is set up that, uh, that you you can have uh, you know write-ins and you can you can push for for ballot measures to try and get someone that's not on that slate. But uh, the the structure of most large companies is to make that virtually impossible. That that occasionally you'll get an activist shareholder, and and when we say activist shareholder, I don't mean like if if I wanted to be a, an activist shareholder, I mean like uh, Vanguard goes and buys up twenty percent of a company, and so that they can actually have a say. Not unlike what. Uh, what Mr. Musk did, where he bought, uh, was it roughly 10% of the company uh, that that basically bought, bought him the equivalent of a board seat, so he gets a say here, um, but but he's he's leveraging that a little bit more now. Um, but yeah, the, the the structure of this this uh, rotating thirds that that is an intentional move uh, to to prevent uh, the the kind of takeover that. Uh, might be in play here. So, so that's, that's one of those strategies in addition to poison pills and requiring super majorities for certain, certain decisions is having a, a, a board that does not turn over all at once. So you can't, uh, come and, and, and this isn't just for, uh, for large corporations. You'll see this in, you know, nonprofits and all sorts of organizations. You don't want uh, a group to be able to come in, uh, and take control, uh, 
immediately. And, and that, that can be, uh, good because it preserves institutional knowledge and slows down radical change. Yeah. And it can be bad because it means that, uh, you know, bad actors and, and, and old fuddy duddies can, uh, hold on to control for, of things far longer than they should be able to. Well, when I was on, on the Yale, uh, service corp board, and that was not, you know, a, uh, that was not a corporate board. It was just a, you know, I can't imagine board. that being at all political in any oh, way. Oh, no, a bunch of <laughs> mostly middle-aged Yale graduates. No, no, not at all. Uh, but um, it was uh, – so I was so thankful that I term-limited out. But they had – it was staggering. Uh, uh, you had staggering things. So there was some continuity, which was pretty important for that board because – you know, you, you really didn't get going until you've been on for like a year or two. Um, and also like, uh, but there's, there was term limits. So someone couldn't like hang out for years and years. Uh, mm. and, uh, you know, you had six but, years and like, there's also a weird thing with a lot of nonprofits, uh, you know, s- smaller volunteer organizations where yes, there's elections, but the way it works is that, you know, this officer is then put up for this position and so like there's there's a clear order of succession yeah so like you you will be you know the secretary for two years and then you'll be you know executive vice president yeah. and then you'll be president uh and then you'll be you know president emeritus and and then you will have completed your rotation gotcha and it's not in the bylaws that it says this must happen but that's just how things are done. yeah no 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 they very did that. different than than corporate governance that, except like, i didn't see at, at twitter here. except i i just i i stopped at member i didn't i didn't want to move up there but i was on the nominating committee and we did discuss people and we did you know we we did all the hard work in the nominating committee and then people just said all right you know they they kind of accepted our recommendation and i, I you know we did a lot of work on that that was they 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 sprung that on me just as i was on my way out <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought I had no more work left to do, um, and then all of a sudden, I had to, I had to go through all the nominations for our successors. So, uh, a ton of work, and it was in 2019. Just out of curiosity, yeah. when, when you were on the nominating committee, uh, if if there were say five seats that were open, yeah, uh, did you did the nominating committee put forward a slate of five, or did you put forward a slate of like here are eight candidates that we think would be acceptable? Pick five. I, I think we, uh, I think we narrowed it down. Uh, I well, you know what? I don't remember, but I remember we narrowed it down considerably. Uh, so I, we might have narrowed it down to the exact five, but because uh, it, it's a very different vibe when it's there are five seats and these are the five you should vote for versus you know we've we've vetted the candidates and and we think these are all good, but but there's still some competition because there are more people on that list than there are available seats. I I think we might have given we might have like taken all of the um all of the people applying gone through the resumes and talked about the 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 pros and cons which is really like you know what how, how active have they been or if they haven't been active what did they bring to the table and then like basically narrowed it down and then gave kind of like an executive summary of each one and maybe maybe the the board in full did kind of uh decide on that but the point was the board decides the future of the board but that kind of makes right. sense because it was an advisor, or, or if board. not directly, not, the there are board no shareholders. Picks. Yeah, it, it, sometimes it's not a subset of the board that's the nominated committee. Sometimes it's a completely separate committee, but they're still picked by the board. So, right. So it's there may be degrees of indirectness, but it's not out of their control entirely. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that board meeting, even though there was not that much on the line, there were egos on the line, 
And oh, for sure. that, uh, you know, sometimes that's, uh, that gets as nuts as people fighting over billions of dollars. Well, I was going to um, say, you know, we've, we've, we've gone a, a little bit astray here. But yeah. uh, egos brings us right back because there's some big egos in play here. Right, 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 right. So, okay. Uh, so, and sometimes I was also going to add to this. I, I think sometimes this is an information problem where current shareholders uh, just trust the board, whoever they nominate, and trust management and don't, um, you know, like like the myth of the rational voter, just, just don't think about it. But- Fortunately, we have some some benefit here where you do have like hedge funds and analysts and people like that who, even if you own 5% of the board, uh, own 5% of the company, it makes sense to hire one of your analysts to go look at the uh, look at the um, look at the board composition and to, to vote I, appropriately. So I could have my numbers incorrect here, but I I want to say that that I saw something that was listing the shit, you know, shareholders in in order of of size of their holdings and there was musk was number one uh and i think dorsey was number two but he was at like as an individual three percent yeah um, yeah so maybe yeah maybe, maybe that's different if you look at institutional shareholders i hadn't thought of it that way yeah yeah so recently so so the board is still deliberating they i it's clear to me they don't want to sell because they love all that power they have or i don't know maybe some some other reason well, they uh, they wouldn't be taking these poison pill uh, uh, maneuvers if if they were just considering if that you, right. you you don't you don't because uh, because they are to some degree shooting themselves in their foot but they they clearly see it as the lesser of two evils. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so now he's exploring this uh, uh, tender offer. He hasn't he hasn't proposed it yet, but he secured funding for it, which is. You know, uh, $46.5 billion in committed financing for the deal. Why does he need financing? Why doesn't he just write a check? Well, most of his uh, wealth is in share shares of other companies. I assume he needs to put that up as collateral or at least, you know, have some people say, well, we kind of trust you could pay us this uh, if, well, in the long we, run. Yeah. Does he necessarily need to buy it himself or or can he simply be okay i've i've collected you know a uh uh a, a, a superhero team uh of of investors who between the you know the the 20 of us we we can put forward you know the 46.5 billion you can and, do that and they have agreed to to let me lead the charge on that you know i will represent this group yeah or, uh, or, or does it does he actually have to come with like the cashier check in hand kind of thing. So I, I, my understanding is he could do that. Um, I don't think that's what he's doing, but he could do that. And I was thinking he could get another shareholder of Twitter on board who could put up their shares as part of the price. And so then that shareholder would be share have would be minority shareholders in the new company owned by Musk. Um, and so they wouldn't have to, you know, move a whole lot of money around um, other than, old shares for new shares, which sometimes right. might be a little, I don't know if that's less expensive, but it seems less complicated. Um, so anyway, um, what is a tender offer? I had to look that up, like we said. So it turns out he's going directly to the shareholders. He's not trying to pick them off one by one because he needs a whole, he needs half of them at once. So it's kind of like, I think it's the Kickstarter model where it's like there's pledges to sell to him, but it only kicks in when a certain amount like conditionally, if, if, if enough of them agree to join. 
Uh, so it's, so, it's, so this it's, is functionally a way of bypassing the, the board. Um, yes. And, and that's why. And it puts now, pressure I'm, on the board. I'm, I'm looking at the notes here. And so the offer to the board was for 54.2 billion. And this yeah. tender offer, well, uh, so, okay. So, so the, the 46.5 billion is, is what he has committed financing for. So that, that's, it, it doesn't mean it's actually a, a, a lesser offer. Mm. It's just that that's all he's got publicly committed so far. Right. Seems like it, gotcha. he's close enough. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So what, what do some people have to say about this? I just collected some things I saw in the news and we can kind of put it together. Um, uh, tech analyst Dan Ives at uh, the investment firm Wedbush told Fortune that a white knight, the financial term for an investor that saves the company from a hostile takeover by acquiring it the last minute, could be Twitter's only chance to uh, of dodging Musk's buyout bid. So he th- bid. So he thinks they're kind of in a in a bind where they may have to like it or not. They may have to accept it because. If they don't accept it, there's either going to be a tender offer or it's just going to be too much that, you know, they're just going to lose too much shareholder value. And so he said they have three days, although that was three days ago as of Monday. So we'll see what happened. Although I think it's three days. I don't know if it's three days as of the the writing of the article or three days from when Musk makes the tender offer, which he hadn't done yet. So we'll see. Uh, But of course, one thing you could imagine is if this white knight comes in, what if it's Google or Facebook? So what if Facebook comes in and says, well, we'll buy Twitter for a larger price, and now everyone's together? Mark Cuban speculated that could happen, but he said they're worried about antitrust laws, so it, it's it's not likely. Uh, but that would be not just big tech, but bigger tech. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems like it would be a, a safer move for them if they could get somebody independent to come in, not another one of the big companies. But uh, who who is who is prepared to go uh, in a a uh, a measuring contest up against Musk here, uh, since he is literally you know ranked as as the wealthiest person on earth? Yeah, but moment. corporations have more. Uh, you know, like Facebook and, and, and Google have, have more as, as a corporation. And so it's hard for an individual to compete with a corporation. Although, you know, maybe, maybe those companies don't want to buy Twitter because maybe they think it's a dog and they have their own problems. Um, well, that, that's what a lot of the, the, uh, counters to, and, and you, I think you talked a little bit about this in your previous episode. A lot of people are saying is, why would he want this? That this is going to be a nightmare for him to, to like, even if he does the best he possibly can with it, it, it it's not going to be a good outcome. He you know, thinks p- putting aside the acquisition nightmare. Um, he thinks he could but, unlock but, the value yeah. um, by making changes. Um, now, this is just today or yesterday from when this comes out is that uh, this is from Yahoo Finance. They say that Twitter is talking to Elon Musk about the deal. So they're in communication, uh, possibly in negotiation. Uh, because of shareholder pressure. Uh, it says here in the article, many Twitter shareholders reached out to the company after Musk outlined a detailed financing plan for his bid on Thursday and urged it not to let the opportunity for the deal slip away, Reuters reported earlier on Sunday. So who are these people who are pressuring them? Are these random individuals we talked about funds like Vanguard or BlackRock, which are like these big funds that like, you know, people have their retirement account in and they just kind of invest in everything. Or is another group. Um, I'm not sure what the answer is, but um, 
there's kind of a suggestion in the article where it says, you know, they quote a hedge fund uh, where one of the managers says, uh, I would say take the uh, 5420 uh, a share and be done with it. Oh, it's not 5420 uh, billion dollars. It's 5420 a share. Ah, okay. And then it's 40 something billion. Ah, it's very confusing. We, we might uh, have our wires crossed somewhere. Yeah, there. yeah. We'll, we'll double check. That. Okay. I would say take the 5420 a share and be done with it, said Sam Adrangi. Portfolio manager at Carisdale Capital Management, a hedge fund that owns 1.13 million shares in Twitter, or 0.15% of the company, and has been an investor since early 2020, which doesn't seem that long uh, in the scheme of things. So it might be some of these hedge funds that just they they do this analyst, and they you know they're like, not only are we going to invest, but we're also going to invest. Maybe not be like an activist by default, but we're we're going to take our like. Our, our voting um, and uh, our, our, our power as shareholders somewhat seriously because that you know that uh, that affects the uh, that affects the value of our of our hedge fund. So yeah, so I I don't know enough about about Reuters and financial reporting in general to to read the tea leaves on this. My my initial thought would be if if it was Vanguard or BlackRock or one of the big fish that was saying this. Uh, they would they would at least drop heavy hints, uh, if not call them out by name. But maybe it's one of those you know people speaking on background or on condition of anonymity. Um, so you think it and, might be one of these? You think it might be one of these big funds? Well, and and even with with uh, what is it like uh, Kearsdale Capital uh, Management? There's they spoke to an analyst there or you know right. a, a portfolio manager, but that's not necessarily the official yeah. uh, stance of that that capital management of you know yeah. that hedge fund. So it's 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 tough to judge, you know how how much weight to give to this because it it could literally just be that yeah maybe 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 even ten thousand random individuals who own a share of Twitter um you know through through the Robinhood app uh, sent them notices but that amounts to you know a thousandth of a thousandth of a percent and right. and so really isn't going to change change outcome um it's it's a classic twitter problem in that uh you could have a very vocal minority who uh changes perception but but does not have uh yeah. realistic uh uh impact on on the outcome here yeah well, well it sounds like if these reports are to be believed then you have some some of the heavier hitters um putting pressure on them and and i just confirmed it is 5420 a share and that actually comes out to 40 40 something billion. So it's, okay. who, who, you know, <laughs> not that it's that important. Only the, uh, only the, um, the, the magnitude is kind of important to me, but, uh, just so that we don't have our numbers crossed. Okay. Um, another point in the article that confused me and I had to look up, uh, were Twitter to establish that a sale to Musk would be risky, it could ask for a sizable breakup fee, according to sources. And I was like, well, what's a breakup fee? So I looked that up online, and it was confusing because it looked like it's something the company pays to the seller. But then I looked again at the example, and it looks like, no, the purchaser pays it to the company if the... um it's it's like okay we'll we'll deal with you but we need a breakup fee uh, if the deal doesn't go through because there's lots of costs of like trying to get this to work so something like this is it's like okay we're gonna try to get this to work but or, or we're gonna 
enter into negotiations, but that alone is going to cost us a lot. So I, have, I could see that if yeah. Twitter actually wanted the sale and they thought, well, yeah. Musk is flaky. If he if he changes his mind at the last minute, then we're out, you know, however many billions of dollars of, of you know, legal fees and, and getting this all lined up. Uh, but in a scenario where it sounds like they're an unwilling partner as well, I, I can't realistically see them getting that. Um, or what I, what I thought the breakup fee was going to be pointing to is is one of those other um, takeover resistance strategies is building in golden parachutes because what's what's new management going to do when when they take over is they're going to fire all the executives and put in their own people right and if you make it so that uh, you know to to remove the CEO requires you to pay out an extra five hundred million dollar you know severance payment then it makes it very unattractive for somebody to to come in and scoop up the company if they're going to have their hands tied like that. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's there's some of that uh, in place here, but obviously it's not enough to have scared away Musk. Yeah, yeah. Well, even if they or they could ask for a breakup fee, then have the deal fall apart, then get then mm. cha-ching. But that seems like a, that seems like kind of a someone like Elon Musk would be able to figure out how to prevent that from happening. Um, but speaking of Elon Musk, he's, he, he's using Twitter to be a troll <laughs> as he's trying to buy Twitter with, uh, with Bill Gates. So this is the craziest thing. Some, tw- some, uh, some conversation that he had with Bill Gates, another rich guy, for those of you who are uh, another rich tech guy. Uh, some of you have, um, uh, um, so, so some of you have seen this. I don't know how this got out, but there were some text messages between where Gates was asking Elon Musk for money for climate change. And then Musk asks Bill Gates if he's still shorting Tesla. Gates says, yes. Musk says, then you're not serious about climate change. And the effect, you know, good day, sir. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my, that was my first question is, is how did these leak? Because yeah, uh, it's it's I, I could see both sides having a motivation for leaking this. Uh, and and I'm, I'm a little suspicious. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then, uh, and then he used Twitter to um, uh, compare side by side between Bill Gates and the new pregnant man emoji. Um, just the fact that this is where we are now, we have a pregnant man emoji, and it kind of does look like Bill Gates in that picture that uh, Elon Musk posted. But um, I, I mean, really, it's just is, a, is, a man with a belly. Uh, we've all been there. I, <laughs> I, I've heard it referred to as as the pregnant man emoji, but but is is that like it's it's actual whatever the the governing body for emojis uh, is is that its its proper title? I believe so. Because I, if I didn't know it was the pregnant man emoji, I I would assume it was the beer gut emoji. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think they're actually. They actually went there, and um, that's, that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Yeah, yep, yep. I'm, I'm the last to know about new emojis. Yep, this is where we are right now, uh, and now everyone's like, "Oh, Bill Gates is such a victim of uh, of the uh, of the horrible uh, Elon Musk." Uh, well, yes, nobody wants to be compared to the pregnant man emoji, but it's hard for me to think of Bill Gates as a as a victim here. Um, I, I think uh, he'll be okay crying himself to sleep on his piles and piles of money. Yeah, yeah. Also, he has a trampoline room. That's, you know, I, I, I hope he still has it. Bounce those uh, tears away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so other news from Twitter. A lot of news is coming out at the same time. Um, 
Well, we could talk about, well, let's talk about, uh, well, we could talk about libs of TikTok first very fast. I mean, that's a, um, that's uh, this kind of crazy, I, I, I don't think the, the, the person who run it is crazy, but like, it's a, um, it's, it's a Twitter feed where they post all these crazy people kind of shouting and saying all this insane stuff. And it was, they were recently doxxed by the Washington Post. This is just kind of another sort of like, okay, this is, this is what's going on in Twitter these days where you have um, people trying to get information out of there, whether it's uh, satire like the Babylon Bee or someone like Libs of TikTok who's posting stuff that's like already public. Um, but uh, basically they don't, you know, they, they, <laughs> There is a big information war going on, as we've seen, you know, a big part of the Ukraine-Russia uh, war is, is information war. It's just what information is getting out there, very important to people. So that's really what the war over Twitter is all about, um, I, I think. And I think if Elon Musk takes it over, it'll be very interesting to see how different it will be. It could probably become different very fast. Jack Dorsey, interestingly enough, who was CEO for a long time, he tweeted that the board has been Twitter's dysfunction. Uh, and, um, and I, I believe he is still on the board. He is on the board, right. So he said, it's consistently been the dysfunction of the company. Billionaire Dorsey wrote Sunday in response to Twitter user commented about how the Twitter board has a history of plots and coups and how the history of the company could be made into a Hollywood thriller one day. Earlier in the thread, Fred Destin was quoted for what he calls the Silicon Valley proverb, which is good boards don't create good companies, but a bad board will kill a company every time. And Dorsey replied, big facts. But Dorsey might be saying big facts, but he's not giving us the specifics, is he? And probably he can't. Well, yeah, I was going to say he he, he probably uh, is is bound as as a current and former member you know, and, and past member of the board that there are certain things he can't say publicly publicly. Uh, whether whether that's because of you know non disclosure agreements or because of his fiduciary ability uh, fiduciary responsibility right is that, is that the right yeah, yeah um that that yeah there he he can't he can't talk board business in public right um, right and you know have, having been on on the board of of some nonprofit organizations there there are moments where uh, you know perhaps the the chairman of the board has to remind people that you know what we are about to discuss is board business and not public business and yeah. that uh, it does not go beyond this room until we have you know a, a, approved the the public release of this information yeah so you know similarly if 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 he knows uh, inner details of these negotiations that are going on with, with Musk, he, he very possibly can't speak to those. It sounds like Twitter also suffers from fragmentation of ownership where, because ownership is, is so fragmented among a board and there isn't like a, a founder who has a lot of power there. It's a constant, you know, game of Thrones type situation and maybe just mm. bad governance. Maybe that could be made to work, but it just seems like there's uh there's bad governance uh, in this in this case. Um, I just want to post a flash. Well, I'd say there are very few companies that of that size that that have uh, concentrated ownership. Yeah, um, but that's true. But but maybe they aren't necessarily that well run either. And 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 maybe Twitter is in a unique market segment, so the the comparisons are not uh, not not a, a a good metaphor. Yeah. So I want to take us back now to January of uh, 
2021. And I, that was when I posted the episode 153, uh, decentralizing before our eyes. And I predicted that, uh, given basically all of the, um, alternatives to Twitter and given how they were behaving that month, uh, that they were so screwed. And <laughs> it looks like, um, things, I mean, I was right that they destroyed a ton of value, um, but it didn't play out the way I, I thought because the alternatives, yes, Mastodon is still there and uh, alternatives are still cropping up left and right. But before that got a chance to start nipping at Twitter's heels, uh, they just lost so much value that Elon Musk could come in and, and sweep them up, which is which is kind of interesting. Um, so... That was around the time that they uh, they banned Trump from the platform and a lot of other people. So that's when they did like kind of the nuclear option. That that was sort of their Order sixty six. Um, if you're a Star Wars fan of uh, of uh, now, it's time to ban all our enemies. And um, that was uh, it was kind of a trickle before you know it started with people who were like you know uh, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos back in 2016, and you're like, yeah, he's such I I don't really. I already had him kind of muted. And then Alex Jones, it's like, yeah, I could see why you don't want Alex Jones. And there was just kind of drip, 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 and then more and more and more. And then finally, they were like, everybody's off. Uh, except for me, I'm still on Twitter. So that's that's good. I know you're off. You but not clearly haven't been trying hard enough. Yeah, I, you're off because you uh, uh, you just uh, never got on, right? Uh, I, was, I was precognitively banned. Precognitively banned. So anyway... Uh, he was asked about that banning in January 2021, and he really didn't have a good answer. He wrote, uh, this uh, ban was the right decision, but it sets a dangerous precedent, and the ban is a failure of ours to promote a healthy conversation. Now, that was just a really weird response that he had at the time like failure well, to I, I'd, I'd say that that second one the the yeah. you know, failure to promote a, a healthy conversation i i wouldn't take i wouldn't give much weight to that in that specific instance i would say that that's that's a generality that that yeah if we have to ban someone it's because we have failed to instill in them the proper you know etiquette and behaviors and and you know that that, that that's broken down i i don't think he was using that necessarily as a, uh, or, or expecting that to carry any weight as a justification for the Trump ban in particular. Well, that, no, that's what he was saying about Trump in particular. And, um, it's kind of like, what does it mean to promote healthy conversation? Like, what was he going to do? Tell the president to tweet differently? Um, so, I mean, what does he think they should have done? It really doesn't answer. It doesn't well, give what us leverage answers. do they have other yeah. than you know issuing warnings and and yeah. temporary bans? So to me, it just it sounds like messaging from someone who has to come up with something because he knows what's going on is crazy. And I think what happened at the time is they were acting emotionally, and they were not acting based on the facts. I I get the emotions running high, but it, it kind of ended up whittling down the company considerably, and they really didn't say what they wanted to accomplish. So. Um, yeah, because they don't have, uh, they don't have, uh, you can't be perfectly objective in the rules, but they're not even trying. <laughs> they're, they're just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've definitely seen the, the straw man argument that, well, Elon Musk wants to, to take over Twitter and make it so that there's, there's, you know, no censorship or, you know, that there's, yeah, it's a that, straw man. And, and, and I, I think there's, there's a valid point to be made that, yeah, there's gonna have to be rules. Uh, but but I I I think 
people's hope that are that are pro uh, a Musk takeover are that he will uh, require them to set out a clear set of rules, which will be enforced in a you know transparent and consistent manner, uh, which which will hopefully have a superior outcome. Yeah, um, he said it, uh, it's entirely possible that from the inside of the machine. He, he might realize, well, that just doesn't work. And, and the only way we have, the only approach that's going to be at all viable is to throw more, more, you know, human uh, moderators at it to, to try and deal with all the edge cases. And, and we might be right back where we, where we were to begin with. Yeah. He, he said he thinks if they're doing it right, there'll be kind of some fringes on all sides that will be unhappy. Not necessarily banned, but unhappy, but like, um, and, uh, and, uh, but, 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 but he thinks he could make the majority uh, of of the center happy. We'll see. That, that'll be interesting. It's hard enough to. Uh, it's um, what was it? I, I hate to. Uh, I hate to quote Hamilton, uh, the musical. But uh, you know, winning is easy. Governing is harder. He might. He might get this, and then <laughs> and then he's just at the beginning of trying to uh, trying to figure out what to do. So I, I'm excited. Although if about, he takes it private, then yeah. then how how you govern it. Uh, the dynamics change, right? Right, but he still has to. Um, he still has to figure out how to govern the actual. Uh, the the he doesn't have to. F- the the governance of the company is one thing. Like, how are they hiring? What are their company policies? Maybe that's a little easier when you have uh, a, a, a dictatorship of one person. But he still has to figure out how to govern the the actual website, the the network, the the, the people. Who are who are contributing to Twitter, including most of us, including me, and so it's like um, that. That's that's going to be a very hard problem. Um, but right now, Indeed. it's it's utter chaos. So, all right, uh, let's finish up for today. This went a little longer than I thought. It's getting a little later than I thought. Um, I think I just I, I I filled it out with my last words. Any last any any last thoughts? Last questions? Uh, well, I'll, I'll go on the record now and and say. Uh, if Elon Musk uh, does acquire Twitter, I will continue to not uh, <laughs> participate on the platform. Okay, so I'm 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 making a hard stance there. Is there anything that Elon could do to get you back? I I, I suppose a personal invitation might actually sway me. <laughs> oh, okay, that's not hard. So all he has to do is ask you. Uh, uh, but I'm not on Twitter, so how's he going to ask me? I mean, he could. Um, he, 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 he could he join have to troll me like in person in the flesh. So, well, he could join our locals at maximum.locals.com and say, "Hey, Aaron, would you I, mind joining Twitter?" I think that I you accept would jo- your terms. Yes, I think I, I think uh, <laughs> I think he would. I think he would do that if uh, if that happened. All right, exciting news. By the way, do join our locals at maximum.locals.com. Tell us what you think. We got so I'm I'm starting to do some more uh, some more live streaming there, which is just my random thoughts. If you want to hear those, and uh, a lot of good conversations happening on there. So, all right, uh, that's it. I've got some good interviews coming up. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support the local maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com. Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power. 